Welcome back to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Rogers, and we're always curious about how God is at work in Canadian cities. One of the trends that we're seeing more frequently is people feeling the call of God to come from other parts of the world to Canada. Canada is a global mission field. Uh, my guests today are Ben and Emma, and I'll let them say their last name. What is it? Narayanan. Narayanan. I thought I could get it, but I'd rather hear it done right. Narayanan. <laughs> and Ben and Emma came from Australia to Vancouver to plant churches in a relatively short time, uh, including two years of pandemic in the last five and a half years. Avant Life Church has locations now in North Vancouver, Squamish, and Surrey. So depending on what time of year uh, you moved to Vancouver, uh, you came from Australia. So did you end up that year having a double winter or a double summer? Oh, we got double summer. Oh, good planning. We got, we got double summer. It was great, actually. <laughs> it, was, it was good and bad because uh, on one front, you're like, oh, you know, everyone tells you that Vancouver is cold and wet. And then you get here in summertime. And for the first three, four months we were here, we we're like, this is glorious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so we were a little bit hoodwinked when winter came around. Yeah. But we also, <laughs> we also came, we also came from a country that is constantly in drought. So the idea of rain initially was really exciting. But five <laughs> years on, I think we're we're a little over the rain at times. Yeah, we are well yeah. hydrated. <laughs> yeah. We send the rain, Lord, but not that much. <laughs> um, and, and you guys have uh, three children. Uh, tell me about your clan and how they've adapted to Canadian life. Yeah, we have uh, our oldest. He is 12. His name's Levi. Um, then we have two daughters, uh, Alice, who's 10, and Eden, our youngest, who's six. And even though she's six, she still gets babied by her dad a lot. So she is definitely the baby of the family. Um, but yeah, it was a big, it, for the older two, especially our son adapting from moving away from relatives uh, and what he had known as his life into a new country definitely came with challenges. Um, but five years on, he's loving life. He, uh, has a great group of friends. He's invested into the youth ministry that we have at Avant Life. And he's probably the biggest championer of invitation uh, mm. for our youth, our youth ministry here. Um, the other two, they adjusted pretty well, a little bit younger when they moved over. But um, yeah, moving from one country to another definitely has its challenges for, for your kids. And so uh, we, we navigated a lot of those complexities in the early years for sure. Yeah, that's that's probably if you've got to move a family when they're when they're really little, that's probably the easiest time for them to to adapt. Um, so uh, tell me about the name Avant Life Church. Where where's the name come from? Um, it's been a while since we've told this story. Uh, so when we were going through the process of seeking God for a name for the church. Um, we really sensed from him that the word avant, which is essentially taken from the avant-garde, it's a creative term, which means to be on the forefront of creativity, cutting edge of creativity, uh, which in turn was taken from the French military term, which was vanguard, which was the first uh, military units into battle, uh, usually highly trained and well-equipped. Um, and so when we sought God and we came up with his name, we felt really like good, but at the same time, we're like, that's interesting about life. Um, and so we did attempt to go through several other names uh, that seemed more Christian, uh, like Chapel <laughs> Life, Life Center, you know how it is, <laughs> all the generic names. Uh, and we just kept coming back to Avant Life. And, and the name really is in itself a part of our DNA or it explains our DNA as a church and the, the, the fact that we believe that we're called to be 
on the forefront of change in our community, that we have advancing lives in Christ, that we're not to shrink back, but to step in into the fullness and the faith that God's given us to make a difference, not just in our life, but in the cities God's called us to. So Avant Life is really like an advancing life, a vanguard life, first in, last out, get the job done. I, I love the name. And, and I think uh, the fact that uh, church is in the name implies that it's not one or two people that are living the Avant life, but it's a community of people who who understand that this is why why we are. This is yeah. this is who we are. It's yeah. actually funny because um, you know, there was a, we planted during a time that there was a little bit of conversation of removing church from your title. Uh, so five six years ago, probably a bit earlier than that as well. There was this big idea that maybe it's easier or it's more palatable or it's it's more community focused to remove the term church. And I remember Emma and I having this conversation and feeling really the Holy Spirit saying, no, keep the word church within your, in your, mm -hmm. your title. Not to, we don't want to, and don't get me wrong. I know there's thoughts and ideas about the other ways of doing it. We just felt within us and what God wanted to do. He really did want to to make that idea known that we are a faith-based church community, but we also have this desire to be creating and on the cutting edge of change. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'd love to hear the, the backstory, like why Canada and uh, wh why didn't you stay in Australia? Uh, it's funny. <laughs> I, I know lots of Canadians that, that dream about going to Australia is the same. <laughs> Is it is there a mirror universe where an Australians dream of coming to Canada or how'd this happen? Um, I'm gonna let Emma start the story, but to answer that question, I don't think Australians think about Canada as much as Canada thinks about Australia, uh, and I think that's because Australians know they've got it good when it comes to the sun. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. think it's it's simply weather based. And, and you tell Australians about cold weather and they're terrified. So, um, but in saying that, I do know a lot of, a lot of Australians, I think it's becoming more popular to, to come to Canada. So, but we, we were not, we didn't get this idea from God during a, a pro Canada <laughs> movement in Australia. So Emma, yeah. what, what's the, what's the scoop? Oh, it's so funny because I feel like, I mean, as, as we journey on in life, I feel like the, the story of why we moved to Canada doesn't necessarily, like, I feel like it starts at like infancy to, mm -hmm. to a certain degree. There is, you see these threads of the story that reach so far back into your own early years, um, which is really cool. Um, I remember for me personally, when I was, uh, in youth band so I was um, I think I was 16 17 and I was traveling on my way to youth band in my bomby car with my friends and we were singing out all these worship songs in the car drive and one of those songs that just so impacted me and made an impression on my spirit and just convicted me was this song called to the ends of the earth uh, mm. by Hillsong United. And mm -hmm. it was essentially the lyrics are Jesus, I believe in you and I would go to the ends of the earth. And I think there was such a desire to just do anything for God that I remember singing that song out and really actually meaning it. Um, fast forward 10 years I didn't think Canada would be like I didn't dream about Canada growing up I, I knew very little about it I had one friend in school from Canada and that was the context um, that I knew but um, I think yeah like the threads of this story kind of go back a long way but particularly in 2015 is when we really start to be able to I guess, kind of turn the page on what our season looked like. Cause we were, we were both serving on staff at our church in Australia in Canberra, Life Unlimited Church, which is a fantastic church that I had been there since I was about 15 and served in the youth ministry, we served on the worship team. Um, and we were both on staff. We both loved what we were doing. There wasn't any like need to step out of the boat. It felt like, like our jobs were good 
um, the ministry we, we were doing. We really enjoyed it. You're not we were, running from the law. No, we were, no. we weren't criminals or anything like that. Like you're not trying to escape to Canada. Um, but yeah, we were both the youth, young adult worship pastors and Ben was the business and operations manager and I was the event manager. And so we had plenty in our hands to do. Um, but we started getting this unsettling in our spirit, not a negative one, but just this unsettling in our spirit. Um, and in 2015, we started to kind of see that unravel. Um, if you want to tell that piece, babe, go for it. We're at a district conference. Uh, we call them state conferences in Australia, but it's the same deal. So all the pastors from that state, that province come together. Um, once a year, we do the AGM, we do all the business meetings and we have the guest speaker come in. We're in the AGM, so we're in the business meeting section. And uh, we always laugh about this. It's actually my job to be in this meeting, but I, I find at the time I found them boring. Now that I'm a lead pastor, I know the importance of them. But um, at the time I was like, why I hate this meeting. But uh, Emma loves these meetings. So she's one of those people that won't go get coffee during a session. Uh, well, we all know that good Christian pastors leave at least two out of five sessions to get coffee. Um, Emma doesn't do that. And so we're both sitting there and she's making sure that I stay. And then all of a sudden, Emma gets up and leaves. And I have this really immature conversation with God, just like, why do I have to stay? Emma gets to leave. And God's response, and we always laugh about this, is like God will often respond to conversations we're having with him by not answering what we're asking him. He talks about something completely different. And so he just said to me in this moment, it was like a completed sentence, your season's about to change. And uh, it was just like a profound moment for me. And then two, three minutes later, I get a text from Emma and it's like, hey, we're pregnant again. And we always joke that, you know, it's your third kid when you don't, you just get a text. Uh, <laughs> you, you, know, you know, there's no fanfare. There's no, wow, we're pregnant. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we've been there before. It's our third one. Here we go. And I think for a degree of time, I was like, oh, maybe that's what God was speaking about. But uh, the the trip home was about nine hours by car. And so we're driving. And I just asked Emma, hey, has God been talking to you about a change of season? And she said, yeah, he has. And um, we just felt in that moment to really begin as a family to pursue what that meant for us. And in, in that, three months later, the start of 2016, we really felt the call and I, we know we can't actually remember the exact day or moment, but we, we know it was in January that we really felt the call to plant a church in Canada, wherever that may be. Um, and how we tested that was when we thought about planting a church in Australia, we didn't feel our spirits come alive. And then when we thought about taking over a church in Canada, um, we didn't feel our spirits come alive. But when we, when we partnered the planting and the pioneering, with Canada or wherever that would be, we really felt our spirits testify and bear witness to that. So that's what God was calling us to do. And so um, we began that conversation in earnest with our leaders, with mentors, just to go, okay, is it us? Is this God? Where do we go with this? Um, which in that whole conversation three months later uh, led us to going to the Gold Coast in Queensland. Um, a lot of Canadians don't know where that is, but, uh, it's it's about an hour and a half flight north of Sydney. Uh, it's really warm. It's it's got like Miami like feels, like all the you know hundreds of high rises right on the beach, and uh, it's a tourist hot spot. But we had friends that planted many churches there that are mentors, so we went to ask of them some wisdom, which we did. We landed, and uh, Emma and I had spent some time talking about. Well, I wonder where in Canada. Could you imagine? Just from our perspective, Australians never thought about Canada, never been to Canada, never really studied Canada. And all of a sudden we felt this call. And then when you start Googling Canada and you start looking on a map, you realize this country is so big, God could be sending you anywhere. Um, and it all looks difficult at that point. And so we were discussing, well, maybe it's here, maybe it's there. We don't know. Um, and when we landed on the Gold Coast, our friends pretty soon after said, where where is it in Canada? God's told you, I know it's there. And I honestly, almost out of impulse, it felt like it came from a depth of somewhere I didn't realize. I just said North Vancouver. Um, and the best way I can put it is a way people might understand. They might have found themselves in this situation before. Um, but do you know when Jesus says to Peter, you know, what am I? Who do you, who I am to you? What do people say I am? And his response is, you know, son of God, you're the Messiah. And, and Jesus says, this wasn't revealed to you by, by man, but by the spirit. I often think that 
that moment was just a moment where the spirit revealed something and mm. I just said what I saw. And, but Emma wasn't a part of that conversation at all. And so she was actually offended. Well, I wasn't offended. I was, I was you were just offended. Being, no, no. <laughs> you know I when you say, like, do you know when you say I love you to somebody and they don't say I love you back? It was one of those awkward moments. No, for me, it was like, this is my classic husband move, right? Like my husband is just like, just saying stuff and it's going to happen kind of thing. And I was kind of indignant at like, I was kind of just crossed with Ben because I'm like, of course, yeah. classic Ben just says it out and it's yeah. there. And I'm like, well, I, I didn't know about that. And so for me, I said to God, I'm like, God, Ben has a million and one good ideas before breakfast. I need to know that this is not one of those ideas. I need to know that this is you speaking. And there was like, like there's this need for me to know because I needed to own it for myself because whether things went good or bad, like if say, say something went bad and I never owned it, I'd very easily blame my husband because I'm like, yeah, but I was never really in it. Um, and so I was like, I don't, I don't want to fall into the trap of not fully owning this decision as me saying yes to you, because um, whether you're a couple or not, you still have to own the mandate that God gives you. Sure. And so I took this point of frustration to the Lord. I was like, what else do you do? Um, and I said, God, like, if this is you, can you just give me like three signs? Like I kind of went Gideon on the Lord. I said, okay, I'm laying down a fleece and uh, I need to know that you're speaking by you providing these miracles, miracle signs, essentially. I was testing mm -hmm. the signs of God. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and as soon as I had kind of like laid that to the Lord, um, that that afternoon we were heading out to meet with these mentors of ours um, in uh, Surfers Paradise in Australia, which is just another beautiful beachfront location for, uh, you know, those pondering the call of God. But we were borrowing their car. <laughs> Stop and... it. Stop it. I'm feeling the call to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> it is lovely. Um, that I was borrowing our friend. We were borrowing our friend's car uh, to get to the location for dinner. And um, on the drive, um, Ben and I having obviously a conversation and I'm going hard on the logistics. I'm like, well, have you thought about how much it costs to like, rent a house let alone buy a house have you thought about how much a, like a gallon of milk costs what about bread how much and I'm asking all these questions about like milk bread education like housing um and the the car that we're driving in has a gold coast radio station on and while I'm asking these questions the guy running the the radio station he goes hey we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about the cost of living on the gold coast in Australia so why don't you call up from where you are so we can do some comparisons hmm. and I was and it kind of like got my interest I was like that's weird we're talking about cost of living in North Vancouver and the first caller um, who calls into the station, he goes, oh, hey there, bud. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, and the guy says, where are you from? He's like, I'm from North Vancouver in Canada. Come and on. he goes ahead and tells me how much milk costs, how much bread costs, how much education costs, and how much rent costs. And I was just like, uh, okay. And I quickly turned the radio station off and I was like, that was a sign <laughs> like like literally that you couldn't coordinate that um ben she needs to be careful when she gets offended with you <laughs> you never know what signs i'm asking for <laughs> I, know, I know we always joke with the church i'm like emma and i operate in different levels of faith Emma's always ends up with like weird signs happening <laughs> and God talking through radio stations. So here we go. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so what was the next sign? Yeah. Cause I asked for three. So we rock up to the restaurant and we're greeted by our waiter. And like Ben said, like, this is a great destination for tourists. And so most of your waiters, wait staff at, in hospitality have an accent of some sort. And so this guy, he, 
he introduces himself as our waiter I'm like oh where are you from he's like I'm from North Vancouver hey there bud um in Canada and I was like oh my goodness um and so I was like great like that's two um we have dinner we're driving back to our friend's home we get lost on the way uh we pull over to kind of recalibrate our bearings and uh, the, Ben, as he's trying to get his phone charged again to get Google Maps up, um, he says, all right, what street are we on? And I look up at the street sign. And if you Google Maps this, we were in a place called Rabina. And the street that we were on was Vancouver Drive. There is a literal Vancouver Drive on the way home. And as soon as I saw that street sign, I just like sensed the like peace of God flood over me. And mm. I also sensed his mandate like I hadn't before um and so even in my questioning of Ben's faith God still spoke to me and revealed you know hey this is it like this is where I'm sending you to the ends of the earth um and it was it was really really special in uh in North America when uh we were kids watching cartoons and Bugs Bunny would dig a hole in the ground. If he went far enough, he'd end up in China because that was the ends of the earth for us. <laughs> so <laughs> if you dig a hole in Australia, you end up in Canada. Is that That's, how it works? It felt like that. Yeah. <laughs> so was, uh... what, what have you discovered about uh, British Columbians? Uh, how how are they similar? How are they different from your home culture? Um, BC and where we're from in Oz, it's like same, same, but different. Um, we were from the capital city uh, in, in Australia. This would be the most, uh, I guess, left-leaning city mm -hmm. in Australia, in, politically speaking, um, and as well as, as socially. And so moving into BC, there's a lot of similarities on that front. Um, but then uh, we don't know if this is a BC thing or if it's a Canadian wide thing, but what we learned, like the biggest difference in relation to how people behave is in Australia, people are more likely to let you in quicker. So they'll mm -hmm. invite you to a barbecue or a picnic like, and not really know you. Mm -hmm. Um and but probably less likely to have like a full-on deep conversation with you anytime soon but they're happy to, to party with you uh, and in canada or in least bc what we noticed was that we we had a lot of um pleasantries and a lot of niceties but you had to work very hard to get into someone's sort of inner circle or not even inner circle just social circle of, mm -hmm. You know, and so there'd be a lot of, hey, we should grab coffee. And for some of our guys that came with us, which we can talk about later, uh, they would even like set up coffee times to catch up and, and that person would just would not show up. Um, and so that was interesting. The dynamic here was what we felt was is that you've got to work a little bit harder to get into like a, a trust circle with, with people in BC. Mm -hmm. uh, whilst in Oz, it was almost given to you and, and yours to lose, um, if that was the case. And so that was that was hard because... For Australians, we were, I don't know if you've met many of us, but Australian culture per se is very open, very inclusive. Yeah. Um, and we just invite anyone over within safety to come and have a good time. That's not so much in BC, um, but it's not necessarily like a bad thing. It's just different. You know, and that's, that was, the, that was, we found out the hardest culture shock. Wouldn't you say? You also think, I'm like, oh, have we offended someone? Because the other side of the coin with Australians is that sarcasm is just our, like, it's the first it's your language. love language. <laughs> and so, you know, you're trying to balance, am I, is, am I too much um, for Canadians? Uh, BC, particularly, obviously Canada is so huge, but, um, you know, like, ha have we gone too far? Are we too much? Mm. Um, and there was a laying, like we, we did have to actually discuss amongst ourselves and the team that we brought with us that, you know, what are the things that God's asking us to leave behind and what are the things he's asking us to make sure we keep? Because yeah. there's this understanding that 
if God has called Australians to Canada, there is a part of who we are as Australians that's needed. Um, But there's also things that you need to set down and leave Mm -hmm. behind because you're also being called to become Canadian. So it's Mm. it's weird dynamic because like to some degree, Canadians want you to just be Canadian fully. But I'm like, well, from what we know of God calling us is that God's calling us as we are, which means there are Mm. pieces of us as Australians that's important to bring to this country, Um, but not everything. So, you know, we had to dim down some of the sarcasm at times um, (laughs) and probably actually just learn Canadian sarcasm. This is my rant for the, for the podcast, Kevin. Okay. Australians are very tonal with their sarcasm. So it's like you hear in how they like, Oh, really? You know, it's really tonal. Canadians are straight. So like I'll be around like Canadian pastors and they're using sarcasm, but I just think they're being mean to each other. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's so rude. And they're like, no, that's sarcasm. And I'm like, oh, there was no inflection in your voice. There's no facial expression. It was just like Mm -hmm. straight. So, you know, we had to learn some of that along the way, but still learning. Yeah. Still learning. Yeah. That. So tell me about uh, like how you have a team that came from Australia with you. How in the world did that happen? Like, it's amazing enough that uh, the two of you had the call of God to come. And that's somewhat understandable as a family. But uh, who are these other people that came with you? Um, They were young adults from the church that we were a part of. When we came back uh, from the Gold Coast and we spoke with our lead pastor and the board of elders at our church about what we felt God had given us as a vision, um, one, our sending church was very supportive. Um, Our leaders were very releasing. And a part of that process was an invitation to anyone that might feel the call to come with us Um, and that they would go through essentially a, a vetting process and eventually with like, eldership approval would be like okay we're happy if you want to go and then if pastor jen and emma are happy you can to go then that's that's good and so um throughout the process there was 12 young adults that that went through that and went got the tick of approval sense from god that he was calling him and yeah in may of 20 2017 they all moved out to canada with us that's fantastic Um, a bit of backstory to that however because they weren't just random young adults these were the young adults that we've known most of them from you know the early teens um we, we were the youth, youth pastors we yeah. were internship pastors and so there's like heavy relational and social connection there right and so mm-hmm. we we look back now and see that god was even in without us realizing creating a church planting team throughout our other ministries now i don't necessarily think that's the model that he wants to do with everyone. But I think in relation to what we were going to uh, attempt to do, it needed to have a very tight knit, very close, very well weathered team that had been through multiple character building moments together. So that when you land on the opposite side of the world and you have nothing but each other, that relationship's already been tested and be proven to be true. Right. right. Um, and so we always sort of see these guys as, you know, and girls, phenomenal right it's one thing to hear from god as lead pastors to go but then to hear from god to follow that vision and and participate is just in my mind often takes greater faith uh but this is our these are our mighty men and women of the cave right these guys are loyal um have been most of them are still with us uh the one or two that are back in oz it's a visa that they're waiting on like god's just been very faithful or there's one or two where the season shifted and changed and for good reason we uh, transitioned them into other churches that were partnered with us and they're serving God back in Oz. Um, but most of them, the majority of them, plus some that came, you know, we had waves of them come um, one or two after, you know, that we knew that came and did intern programs and helped continue to build the church. So in total, there's probably about what, 15, 16 Aussies in our, our church circles that we came across to really either do an intern program or help plant the church. So well, that, that may explain to me why in five and a half years, you're able to, to have three different locations 
I, I can't imagine uh, two people having three locations, but a, a team of a dozen, mm -hmm. um, much more doable. So, so was that, was that part of the, um, uh, the makeup of the vision was to have multiple sites or did you know that when you first came? We had one job, Kevin, that was to survive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't give ourselves any thought beyond how are we actually going to survive? You know, the North Shore is one of the most expensive neighborhoods oh, in yeah. all of Canada. So we didn't land in this very like affordable neighborhood um god yeah. was good to us he was very good he did miracles um we've got books like notepads of miracles that he's done both big and small all intricately connected that led to, to these moments of growth but um in one sense of the word yes it was what allowed us to i, I think grow quicker because we we had a core nucleus that helped carry our culture and culture is everything mm -hmm. and so if you have a strong center core of culture then anyone joining, they assimilate quicker. And so we had this momentum within our culture already. But to be honest, like our staff and our, our pastoral team, most of them are made up of Canadians. Hmm. Um, it's, we've, got, we've got two of the Aussies on our, 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 our staff payroll, but the, the other six or seven staff members are all Canadian, right? And so um, it's a bit of both. What we do know is that core group of Aussies and the ones that are with us, uh, we still hold the culture together heavily. Um, and they're still the ones that help carry things at a very deep level. And so that progression from one campus to three, you can do that logistically and get it done. The hardest part is to culturally multiply yourself. Right. Um, and because we did have such a strong core of culture, yes, we were able to go from one to three relatively quickly without without causing a culture shock. I think also on on that we didn't want um, we didn't want to build it on Ben and Emma. Um, obviously we understand the the responsibility and the privilege of being the lead pastors. But it's like you were saying before, we kept the name church intentionally because it had to be the whole church that was doing the work. Um, yeah. And we've really seen that that's been really evident um, and you have to remind yourself of that as well so that you're being more open-handed yeah. and seeing mm -hmm. of people to actually be involved in it like it's not going to be perfect so if you're seeking perfection you will just keep it just you and right you doing it right yeah. um but I think like yeah our heart is not for avant life to look like Ben and Emma necessarily um and I think we've done a good job and we're still working on it and doing a good job of, of letting Avant Life look like many faces, like many hands, mm. like mm. many feet. Um, and I think that's kind of our heartbeat and, and it kind of makes sense. Like our heartbeat for Ben and I is like, we want to see leaders developed and leaders deployed into the ministry because the truth is there's not enough at the moment, but the work is actually really beautiful. Um, and People are passionate about it. They just maybe haven't had the development or the time or the know-how. And so we want to do a good job of doing that, um, which kind of speaks to why 12 came with us is that there is this, uh, and I'd say particularly on, on Ben, like this ability to develop leaders in the fire and in the furnace and and equip them and release them. It's, it's actually quite astounding to watch uh, how well he does that. Um, because the church is growing as fast as the leaders do, to be honest. And mm. so um, that's been part of the story as well. So with having three locations, uh, potentially more, um, I don't see it being with you guys cookie cutter of getting the exact same thing. I see it more like you're making fresh bread with local grains. And, and, uh, so tell me about the, the three locations and each community has its own personality, its own, uh, demographics. Uh, what, what are some of the differences and similarities between North Vancouver, Squamish and Surrey in terms of Avant Life? Yeah, look, it's really interesting. Cause when you think about planting churches, 
uh, and you think about campuses, often you have this assumption that um, there's relative like similarities between each city or each town or suburb that you're doing that in. We, for whatever reason, in our journey with God through this, he sent us to three very different cities, different in many ways, different in economics, uh, different in demographics, different in population sizes and geographical situations. So uh, for those of you listening who don't know, like North Vancouver, the North Shore of Vancouver is actually the, it is the most affluent neighborhoods in all of Canada in wealth and education. That's where we started. Um, and you can imagine that the, the need there is less financial or material, uh, but deeply emotional, deeply uh, spiritual um, and, and focused around marriage and family and, and fulfillment and purpose that money can't bring. But a lot of that stuff resides in such a deep level of people's lives. It takes a lot of work to get there. Um, and then we have Squamish, which is a city of 20,000 people, but quickly growing. It's one of the fastest cities growing uh, in the country, simply because it's proximity to Vancouver. You can get from downtown Squamish to downtown Vancouver in 45 minutes, uh, which actually puts it closer because of the less traffic than a lot of the outlying suburbs in the lower mainland of BC. So like the Langley and Abbotsfords take longer to get to Vancouver than, than Squamish. And so it's it's actually being gentrified at the moment. So what used to be this backwater town between North Vancouver and Whistler is now this thriving, booming uh, city of change. Uh, but the population's small and there's this, there's this internal battle outside of the church taking place within the city between what was, which was a lot of people that liked the recluse life, enjoyed the smaller nature of the city, now battling this growing young family, young professional, you know, double income, no kids mindset, these high density apartments going in. And so there's this social upheaval taking place in the city. Um, but Squamish in itself is very laid back, very active outdoors, both during winter and summer. Uh, and the people are more carefree. And so there is this carefree nature that takes place. But there is a deep spiritual oppression within the city. Uh, a lot of a lot of witchcraft out here, a lot of spiritualism, a lot of mysticism, uh, and there is a general hostility towards the church. Um, and it, and it's the city itself is in it's in Squamish territory, um, and so you can imagine there's a lot of anti-colonialism here. Uh, when we arrived here, there was a lot of you know anti-church stuff that was associated with concept of colonialism and residential schools and there was a whole reddit forum on our church that hadn't even launched yet but even in that god used it for people to go wait a minute uh there's something in this we have people attend our church that read the forum that weren't christian like god uses all things yeah. and then we have surrey which is uh soon will be the largest city within the greater vancouver area it's heading towards a million people very quickly uh, it's the only city of its size in Canada that is visually not white in ethnicity. It's mostly brown and Asian, uh, which is a crazy thought. Um, and it really contributes to that whole idea of 51% of, of lower mainland people don't speak English as their first language. Surrey is the main contributor to that. So you can imagine it's quite a cultural melting pot that's taking place there. Uh, but probably more like a mosaic because it doesn't necessarily melt into anything. That's Canada for you. Um, mm -hmm. And so you, we planted a church there, which is, you know, we've got a city of almost a million people of multiple ethnic and cultural backgrounds. Uh, and then you've got a city of a quarter of a million people in the North Shore, uh, which is mostly very rich uh, Caucasian money over the generation or very rich Persian or Asian uh, last two generation of immigrants. And then you got Squamish, which is a city of 20,000 people, lower income, a lot more other needs, but, um, but quickly being gentrified and changed. And there is that social upheaval. We've had to plant churches. You can't cookie cutter that. Mm -hmm. There's no cookie cutter. You're going to fail. Mm. And so our culture is the same. Like culture doesn't have to change as a church where you go, but how you, ex how you express that culture how you communicate the, the, the community of faith, that's all going to be, it's all different. Our cities are different. Our leaders have to be very dynamic and understand the difference. You have to be bilingual. You have to speak different languages depending. And I don't mean like, 
actual languages i just mean in a spiritual leadership context you're gonna have to, you're not going there as you're gonna be everyone's gonna be like north fan that'd be ridiculous yeah, yeah. different so, different heart languages yeah. correct and it's yeah. and it's profound yeah and so that's that's been a huge part for us as a church how do we keep our culture the same across our campuses but allow the expression to be what need what's needed in the cities that we're trying to reach mm -hmm. well uh I was looking on your website and, and certainly we'll <clears throat> include that in the show notes so people can uh, look you guys up. Uh, but uh, I, I love what I assume is the mission statement um, or st it's a statement, whatever it is, uh, remain his, remain humble, remain helpful, remain hopeful. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me about that. That's Four, uh, four incredible uh, things there. It's our culture statement uh, as a church. Culture statement. Are, yeah, we are, our vision changes each and every few years about what we're trying to achieve as a church. Uh, obviously, our mission statement is the same. It's, it's, it's just the commissioning that Christ gives us. Um, yeah. But our culture statement is what we build mm. all our leadership and our programs upon. And uh, essentially... When uh, Emma and I were youth pastors many years ago now, we went to a conference and um, we listened to a speaker speak about the power of culture. And I walked away from that conference with a conversation with God. And I felt like he said, Ben, I want you to write a culture statement, which you would live your life by. Um, so essentially, over the course of 18 months, I wrote this culture statement, remain helpful, remain humble, remain hopeful, and then above all else, remain his. Um, and then over the course of our ministry, we really adopted that outside of just our family into all our church ministries. Um, and then so when we arrived here in Canada, it became our core church culture statement in which all our leaders get trained through why it's, it's important that as a church, we remain helpful as leaders. We remain humble as leaders. We always have a disposition of hope and the goodness of God. And then obviously above all else, remaining connected to the vine as a branch, remaining his, remaining fruitful and healthy, accountable and strong. Um, and so this is our culture statement. We repeat it in every class, every leadership development. It just, it's what we ask our, our church to carry. And it's practical. I think that was one of the key things that we wanted to make sure is that it's not just this kind of like ethereal thought. It's actually like, this is how we do things. Mm -hmm. um, like, so whether you're serving coffee on a Sunday or whether you're pastoring people who are going through crisis, it's asking yourself, have I been helpful? Um, you know, have I been humble? Have, have I held hope? And, and in, above all else, have I remained his? It's how we want to behave. It's how we want to act. Like, you know, we, one of the uh, things that this um, teacher spoke on when he was talking about culture is he said if vision is the destination culture is the vehicle that gets you there mm. um and so we've held like fast to that it's like well if we believe that our vision for 2023 is this statement then how we're going to achieve that is by keeping true to these four principles mm -hmm. um and you can you can correct a bad attitude by reminding people of the culture. You can yeah. you can correct distance from the bride by reminding people of of the culture. And um, it's funny because our leaders talk about it all the time that they annoy people. Like you know, like Avant Life is always talking about culture, culture, culture. And I'm like, good, like go for it because that will help actually. Um, that will help in the multiplication of church planting for Avant Life is if we have this understanding of how we go about the work needs to be of this mind. Um, and it really is the mind of Christ that we're speaking of through these, mm -hmm. these statement pieces. Yeah, the, the word remain means uh, stay in place. Don't, mm -hmm. don't get away from this, stay here. Yeah. And uh, remain his that that's that's powerful uh remain humble remain helpful remain hopeful talk to me about helpful why why remain helpful this is like um it's very rudimentary in the sense that we tell our leaders all the time 
the world loves, even if they would never admit it in certain circumstances, we all love helpful things. We love helpful people. Um, and you can have a disposition of helpfulness, one, not just to others, but also to your own calling God, if you're actually intentional about having a helpful spirit. So uh, we talk about uh, in a leadership context, there's two types of leaders that we encounter a lot. There's the helpful and there's the unhelpful. Um, <laughs> and we use the illustration of, hey, there's a car accident, right? Or someone's driven a car into a ditch. The unhelpful leader will come to this and they will spend their whole time trying to figure out who to blame to why this car is in the ditch, but the helpful leader will come and they will first figure out how to get the car out of the ditch. Um, and then we'll have the conversation about how we got there in the first place, but the response is drastically different in the moment. Um, and a helpful leader obviously understands that they need to, in all situations, begin to pursue God's outcome and, and, and carry the, the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ in this situation. And we use Joseph in relation to his commitment to the call of God in his life through dreams. Um, and he remains, and it's a, it's a difficult thing to consume, but he actually remains helpful. So when he's sold into slavery after being betrayed, he actually serves his master quite helpfully. Mm -hmm. He doesn't sit there the whole time complaining that, hey, I'm actually a son uh, that was betrayed by my brothers and I shouldn't be here. Like he read the room, he understood, okay, I am where I am, but I serve a good God. And he remains helpful and he honors God in that situation by serving a master that shouldn't have been his in the first place. Um, and then we see it all unravel, falsely accused. He's in prison. Uh, he remains helpful. He, he, he gives of his skills and talent in prison, even though he's asked not to be forgotten, he gets forgotten. And we talk about in the course of 13 years, he goes from being betrayed to enslaved, to being accused, to being lost in prison in a moment because of this helpfulness, we see God, turn his life upside down and he goes from being all these things to second in charge of the kingdom. And we, we tie that into that whole understanding of Proverbs. If you see a man that excels in his work, who's helpful in his work, will stand before Kings mm -hmm. and he'll be given great influence and helpfulness is a powerful tool that we forget. We need to discuss. Are you a helpful leader or are you the leader that comes in and just points out all the problems and thinks that's good? Or do you get in there and help find solution and serve the outcome, serve the vision make sure people are good. We say, if you do this, you will be successful. The kingdom of God, the way it works, tells us that the principles that God has laid out, you will be a successful person. And that's why the second one is humble because in your success, you need to remain humble mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and grounded and boast in the Lord alone. And so they all actually tie into each other quite well. Uh, it took time. Uh, you... Um... Uh, are both on this Zoom call from two different locations. Uh, Emma, you're in in the basement of the church building in North Vancouver. Ben, where are you? I'm in our the auditorium for our Squamish. To tell you the truth, I could have picked one of our offices. I don't know why I picked it, but I did. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in the auditorium. I think I know why. The paint color matches your coat. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Oh, that's... I'm, I'm all about fashion and aesthetics. Um, so, yeah, in the auditorium of our Squamish campus. Well, let's talk a bit about uh, marriage and, and ministry. Like, uh, how, how do uh, each of you uh, function uniquely as, as co-leaders in the church? Uh, how, who does what? And, uh, and then also maybe talk to me a bit about uh, striking the balance so that uh, you know you're not just two two pastors, but your 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 husband and wife, a mom and a dad. Yeah, so um, it's funny because we've uh, co-pastored together since we were I don't know 20, 23. Um, mm. We were both employed uh, at our previous church. We shared an office back then. Um, <laughs> which that was probably chaos because we are very different in our structure and our organization skills. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we've been co-pastoring together for a while. Um, the co-lead pastoring is obviously as new as the church is. Um, and when we were co-pastoring in specific ministries, mm. um, we were, we were like this, we were kind of like tied together in how we function. Um, 
when you step into co-lead pastoring, you just realize the the breadth of work that needs to get done and um, how it requires uh, different wiring, certain areas require different wirings. And so uh, over the last couple of years, we've been able to kind of rediscover how God would have us to co-lead. The way that we articulate it best is that Ben has a pioneering spirit. Um, And so we have uh, as much as I've heard it said differently, don't build around you know, like the lead pastor's personalities or how they're wired. I'm like, until we move on, like, this is how we're functioning. Like (laughs) uh, someone else can come and inherit this and then rewire it however they want. But until, until we've uh, finished the work here, uh, this is how we'll do it. But Ben has a pioneering spirit, which means he manages all of our pioneering work. Um, Now he doesn't just get to do all that fun stuff that he loves to do. He also has to do uh, things that may not be like within his uh, sweet spot, but um, he, he works on all of our new works. So anytime that like, say a new campus, we're planning that um, that's, that's Ben's bread and butter. Um, And uh, I don't know if you want to speak to that more, babe, your area. Oh yeah. I think it's, it's, pretty straightforward anything that we pioneer anything's business related um or like lands on that front end of the avant life mindset falls through pioneer and we divvy up human resources like that what we've learned is like there's five percent of people in our teams that can a high capacity to the level that they can sort of ride out into the the horizon find something establish it and then hand it over and mm-hmm. so there's a small group of people that help me do that. And then 95% of our human resource uh, falls into our other side of our, our organizational structure, which is the established side, which Emma oversees, which all our programs fall under. <laughs> so, yeah, we divide it kind of like that. And so, um, so yeah. what I'm picking up is that uh, Ben went out to Squamish because it's new. Yeah, and and uh, why why stay in something that's five years old, right? <laughs> it wasn't even it wasn't even five years old at the time. It was yeah. we were eighteen months in when we picked up the conversation of Squamish. Um, like honestly, like Emma's right. Like I still stick around and do things that have to be done, but we just don't we just don't include me in conversations. One, I either I'm not gifted in, or two, I just I'm just not needed there. Like yeah. We often no. find that I, I cause more problems because I ask questions about things that we'll, we'll get all the answers and I'll be like, cool. We, I was going nowhere with it, Kevin. I was just interested. Yeah. And that's yeah. the pioneer mindset. You're just like, give me yeah. more data. Give yeah. me more information. Oh, cool. Thanks, guys. Bye. Like, yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll try and pioneer in something that needs to be established and, and vice versa. Like, uh, like, don't bring me into, like, I'll sit with Ben and give counsel on pioneering things because- um, obviously it's still a big heartbeat of our church, but when it comes to like how that operates, I'm, I'm best kept out of it because I'll try and establish it before it's time. Um, mm. and so we kind of just keep out of those areas, but when it comes to big vision, when it comes to, uh, our leaders, that's a big one. We, we share that, that load. We're both very passionate about developing leaders and so uh, on that front we we uh we do that collaboratively mm-hmm. um, but we just had to define what areas in our lead pastoring is like a green light for each of us like what don't we need to talk to each other about what's an orange light where it's kind of like hey let's consult on this and then like what's what's a red light like don't don't yeah. step into that area and so that's taken a little bit of time to recalibrate after COVID even because for a lot of the established side of things that all got paused during COVID so a lot of the leaders that would work within my my area we felt like we were twiddling our thumbs while pioneer work was just going strong and so we had to recalibrate um through COVID as to how is this functioning big picture and do we just sit and wait um you know, because all of our leaders, whether they sit in pioneer or establish, they're passionate about the church. So they, mm. they don't want to not do anything. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, managing that is is always tricky when you've got going through a pandemic where you're not supposed to do anything. Yeah. 
Are, are there any uh, particular disciplines or practices or attitudes that uh, that you have to uh, re remind yourself to bring into the marriage? Um, so uh, it, you're both um, high functioning. Uh, you're you're both have have lots of uh, lots of drive and and vision and mission and and but uh, how do you um, how do you how do you bring it home and uh, and then how do each of you uniquely recharge when you're feeling depleted? Emma and I believe it or not are like drastically different human beings, like <laughs> like in our likes in our in the way we communicate in the way we receive information and how we transmit information we have been on the longest journey trying to figure out each other over the last 15 years um what we have learned and what we did do early on um as young married couple was we said whatever we do in ministry would be subservient to our marriage and the covenant we have there it doesn't mean we get it right all the time doesn't mean we're like perfect in this. What it does mean is if we have a disagreement on the ministry side of things, it will be solved through the systems that we have in our marriage uh, to best preserve our marriage. And so we follow a very, what we know to be a very traditional, uh, scripturally based, um, I guess, line of communication. And that is simply this. Uh, we fully know that as a husband, I'm the head of the household. Um but in that, it's not a right, it's a responsibility. And so I have right. a responsibility to make sure that my wife has a voice, that she has a place at the table, um, and that she has input. But at the end of the day, I will make a decision. Um, if I make a decision based on her information that I trusted and it was wrong, then I just blame her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey. You got it figured I'm out, kidding. Ben. You uh, should no, do seminars. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm Hi, my name is EJ, and I want to invite you to come to Our City Conference on February 25th, 2023. Our City Conference is an urban ministry training event for people serving in urban ministry contexts. Our cities matter. Our city matters. In the 2021 census, it said that 73.7% .7 of Canada's population live in urban centers. We are intentionally designing this event to help give urban ministry practitioners better tools on how they can serve their community better. We are praying that this event will not only encourage you and help you to serve your community better. We're also hoping that a bunch of us can get together and learn from one another. Register today Go to our website, ourcitytoronto.ca. We'll even feed you. Food is part of the registration. Our City, Jane and Finch, February 25th, 2023. See you there. Understanding responsibility is I decided I made that decision. It was my responsibility. And in the same turn, if I decide to rely on my own information and it was wrong, it's the same thing. And and we do this and we know for us that that place can sometimes be confrontational. It's not always this like, okay, let's bring it to the marriage table and it's this peace and calm. No, sometimes we enter that space with like you know, disappointment or we enter that space with a clear outcome that we desire or an opinion on something that we're passionate about. Um, and we really, we don't rush that process. And so we take our time. Um, but, but we've learned that even now in, in these years, as we do a lot more things, we're together, but we do a lot more things focused on different areas of church that, that even in that, that gets stretched and there's tension there. Hey, babe, like we, we really rely on, on the fact that we love one another and that there's a there's a godly commitment there um but at the end of the day everything will funnel back into our marriage through that that line of communication and we do it it's kept us safe uh, it's kept our marriage healthy it's 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 kept emma and i respecting and honoring each other um and not taking our roles as places of of 
for, for granted or places of control. Oh, but man, we've we've had to wrestle over that, hey babe. <laughs> we've been uh we've been we've we've done like different like uh personality things together over the course of the years, you know, because we we're both we both want to get it right. So we're working on it. We're 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 actually none of us working. are like neither of us are going, oh, I give up. Like um there's an intentionality that we have within our marriage which um helps recalibrate in the moments where we're missing each other um we've been compared we did our Berkman together which is a fantastic tool and resource and uh in the uh the collective one that we sat down as a couple this is how it started Kevin it said you two are like porcupines on a cold winter's night (laughs) 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 and I was like oh that's nice like you know so we weren't even upset we weren't even upset because it made sense we're like, it makes oh. sense to us. We're like, oh, right. We need each other, but we just like poke and prod each other a little bit. Yeah. Um, and like, I think that's, I think that's okay. Like, I mean. Well, you got to get your approach right because a porcupines <laughs> have soft underbellies. Yes. Yes. And, and that's the only way they can, can actually get close. Yeah. Is, is finding out the right, the right angle, the that's right so perspective. True. You know, I, and we take we take our time doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it strikes me that the thing that will keep you in your marriage is the same culture that you're embodying in the church, remaining humble, remaining helpful, remaining hopeful, mm-hmm. remaining his. Yeah. You know, that's that's not just um some nice words to give shape to a church that's that's the shape of your lives mm-hmm. that's the shape of your marriage and your parenting yeah over the over the years emma and i have learned that you know um we're not called to achieve perfection in christ it's about the, our heart and if it's pursuing him and we've been speaking lately within our leadership team like the more like Jesus we are doesn't make us more precious to him. Right. But the more like Jesus we are, it makes him more precious to us. Mm. And I think over the years in our marriage, we've just learned to heavily pursue God, pursue Jesus in our marriage, because really he is our only hope. He unifies us in our differences. He's bound us together. And, and brought us together and he's the one that does the work deep within our marriage if we just relied simply on our own strength or our own desires i think like many other marriages we would have been very unfulfilled over these years or just not survived um and i think a lot of christians you've got to understand in your marriage it's not about perfection it's about the pursuit mm-hmm. are you guys pursuing god together because you're definitely not going to be perfect um, but if your heart is joined in a pursuit, then there's forgiveness, then there's grace, then there's reconciliation, then there's growth, then there's fullness, right? And it's all these things he offers if your hearts are unified, yoked together and pursuing him. So if we're not planning churches, our marriage is not offended or upset or broken. Do you know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. we're, we're yoked together in the pursuit of Christ, whatever that looks like, through mistake and through success. Mm. Well, I bet I bet uh, two people that are so uh, distinctly and uniquely together must uh, have quite a combination of children. <laughs> you have uh, you concluded correctly. <laughs> <laughs> well, may it may it be said that we all look like our father. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, uh, I think this is probably a a good place to uh, to say thank you for uh, giving uh, me an hour or so of your time and uh, being on the podcast today. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, getting this this one out for people to listen to. And uh, I know, Ben, you uh, had a brief foray into Ontario. I don't know if Emma's ever been, but. never know when our paths will cross again it's Absolutely. it's a big country 
but it's it a tight it's a tight spiritual family so i'm sure we'll absolutely we'll probably encounter each other again well, thanks Kevin, guys thank you for your time we appreciate it and, uh, it's been a privilege to be a part of your podcast all right be sure to check out uh, avant life church uh, on on the web you can find that link in the show notes well that was uh, a great uh, interview with uh, an amazing couple uh, on our next episode I'm going to be talking with Pastor Rob Good in Bradford, Ontario. Uh, he's the pastor of Promise Church, a church that he planted, and um, just an amazing uh, innovator. Uh, Rob, uh, over the years, I've uh, come to appreciate him and get to know him. I remember uh, in May 2022, uh, walking in downtown Winnipeg with him one evening. And uh, we, as we walked along and talked, uh, we had opportunities uh, that just presented themselves to talk to people about Jesus and to pray with people. And uh, he was just so, so ready, uh, so ready for those kind of interactions. And uh, they uh, come quite naturally to him and quite supernaturally. So uh, please join us again. And until next time, I'm your host, Kevin Rogers, and you're listening to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast.